Good evening and welcome to another episode of Unstoppable Overcomers. Uh, and tonight we have an amazing guest, Mr. Tiki Davis here. I was blessed to share the stage with Tiki back in February on I Inspire, kind of like a, he was the main guy and I was, you know, my 15 seconds of fame. But uh, his story impacted me so much that I knew that I had to have uh, Mr. Davis on tonight to share his story. So welcome, uh, Tiki. Welcome. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So if you could just go in, how I usually start the show is I just ask, um, you know, how um, a little bit of tell us about your overcoming story. And then I basically let God lead the conversation. So with that, uh, if you could just tell us, you know, your overcoming story. I know you have a powerful one. Yeah. Uh, well, what I like to do is really just let people know anything's possible. Uh, my story started, I guess, 43 years ago at birth. You know, uh, we had some challenges there because my mom had her tubes tied and she decided she never wanted to have kids anymore after my brother because my brother was conceived uh, through a prostitution. And my brother's father was a physician at a hospital that my mom was working as an orderly and he was conceived. And so my mom was kind of embarrassed how my brother was born even though she loved her son, she didn't want to make those same mistakes. So after, you know, she gave birth to my brother, she asked the physician to tie her tubes. But the twist to this story, that physician was my brother's dad. Wow. So wow. <laughs> not only does this guy tie her tubes, he also wants to get rid of her because he's a married man. And so they both had a secret but my mom requests for him just tie my tubes. So at this time, my father, he's in prison and uh, he gets out and he realized that my mom has this kid and the boy comes out half white. Now my dad is jealous that you have this kid that's half white and I want you to have me a son. So my mom really didn't want to have kids anymore, but she decided to untie her tubes and in 1978, I was born. Wow. That, but that's that when is powerful. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, I, I, I can't imagine. Right. So now life starts to get a little rough, even from the beginning, because after my mom gives me birth, she calls my dad and says, come get your son. You wanted him. So my dad, he's 25 years old at this time. He don't know anything about raising a son. So if you heard about generational curses and family curses, right? So yeah. my dad takes me to my grandmother and says, will you raise my son? His mom, which is my grandmother, takes me in with open arms because she has regret. Her regret is that she gave my dad away at birth. So now she wants to make it right with him by taking care of his son. So talking about generational curses, I was just a product of that environment. So today I have a daughter, so I try to be, you know, I consider myself had broke those generations because I raised my daughter. And so when my mother gave me away to my father, my father gave me away to my grandmother. She raises me all the way to I'm like three or four years old. So back in the 70s, early 80s, welfare 
my mom was on welfare. She was getting food stamps and a government check for us. But you got to have proof of the, the kids. So my mom comes, gets me. I'm living in New Mexico. She comes from Texas and drives to pick me up to show proof to get these benefits for me. So now I knew my grandmother wasn't my mother, even though I'm four or five years old. So when I saw this lady, I knew she was my mom. And I went with her, but the twist to this story was now in the back seat of the car, it was this other kid. And she said, say hi to your brother. So now my first time ever meeting this brother, which is half breed, half black, half white. And so that's when I meet my brother. I'm about three or four. He's probably six. We're two years different in age. So that's how I meet my brother. Wow. So she takes us back to Odessa, Texas, where we start to live. But mom was still young and she didn't know how to raise these young boys. And she was still 25, 26 years old herself, 27. And she was still trying to figure it out. So she would sometime take me to my grandmother's house. That's where my brother was being raised by her mother. And sometime we would stay with her. And I know we only got an hour, so I'll fast forward. So at nine years old, my mom was still a prostitute part-time. And one time she robbed this man. And normally she wouldn't bring the man back to the house or our apartment complex we were living in. But this particular night, she got a little sloppy and she brought this guy back to the house and she robbed him and took all his money. And he came back for revenge to murder my mom, but she wasn't there. I was alone by myself in bed and I left the door unlocked for my brother to come home. He found me there laying in bed and he grabbed me, wrapped my neck with the bandana and begin to squeeze this nine-year-old boy. And at this time, I'm not really understanding my life's in danger. I'm just wanting this man to let me go. And as he squeezed tighter and tighter, I'm trying to breathe, but I can't. And he lets me go and I start to gas for air and gas for air. And then right when I think I'm catching my breath at nine years old, he grabs me and stabs me in the neck with a screwdriver. Now blood is gushing out of my neck, right? And so I'm thinking it's over because what else could a person do to a person that's been choked out, bled out? Then he put a pillow over my face and began to punch me. The first punch knocks me out. The second punch wakes me up. And at this time, this is when I realized I wasn't ready to die. So I roll over and I start to fight for my life, not knowing at that age my life was in danger, but hindsight that I can see now my life was in danger. So I began to fight to be an overcomer then because I didn't realize what I know now. So I roll over and I slide between the wall and the bed and I roll over on the floor and I'm face down in my own tears and my own blood. And I can smell the bleach, the pine saw, the comet that my brother, my mom and myself had just cleaned for the HUD housing, section eight government housing so we can have somewhere to live. Now 
I look over and the only thing I can remember with the man that attacked me is the bottom of his blue jeans and his snakeskin boots. And I see him panic and he runs away. And I roll over in my own blood on my own t-shirt and I pick up this football that my mom had bought me for Christmas. And I hold it tight and I walk next door. This the same year Nintendo came out. I walk next door when my brother's playing Nintendo, whatever, playing Super Mario Brothers, trying to save the princess. And I bang on the door and I tell him, don't save the princess, save me. And I fall into my brother's arms. They call the ambulance and they come and they save my life. Wow. That is an I'm almost speechless and that doesn't happen too often. So. I, I can't, I, I can't imagine. First of all, I, I just want to um, go back to a couple of things you said, you know, being given away um, at, at such a young age, uh, numerous times. Um, mm -hmm. Would you say that would definitely have a, an impact on you? First of all, and the, and the mm -hmm. generational curses that you said that I, I totally believe in that. And it, um, my grandfather was given away at birth until he could old enough to work in the family store. So mm -hmm. I, I applaud you, you know, for using that as a, a step up instead of, you know, hovering and, and, and stuff like that. But what was going through your, you, what was, how were you feeling, I guess, when, um, you know, to be given well, away numerous times? Well, Honestly, at that age, I didn't really know what to feel because I was just still trying to figure out life. I didn't realize I was giving away. I was just like, I'm going to stay here. Mm -hmm. But as you get older, you realize that you were giving away and it makes you feel like, man, where do I belong? Do, do I really have real family? Do I, uh, do I, do I got anybody that I really belong to? So my whole life, I just kind of never felt like I belonged. Uh, some people might, maybe that was the reason I got in trouble as a kid because I was acting out, uh, trying to get my footing in life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I was that kid with that chip on my shoulder. So I just kind of want to prove people wrong as I got older because I seen sometimes kids had it better than me. And, you know, a lot of times you hear broken homes that, uh, just had one parent or live with the grandparent. I was mad at the kids that had one parent because, or a single mother, I thought they were winning because a lot of times I had nothing. You know, I had a mom or a dad, but they weren't really around very much. So I went into the foster care system. I was in Buckner's group home. And so once I started getting to these different places, I started to excel a little bit because I had, I was stable for the first time in my life. And a lot of times people at school, they would pick on me not a sense of pick on me because I, I could fight, but they were kind of talking about me. Oh, he's a bad kid. He's in the boys' home. Or, or, or the football coaches or different people would say different things about the situation, but not knowing that was my refuse. That was a, a thing that I needed. Without that, I, I'm not even, you know, I'm, I'm not here. You know, I needed those boys' home. So those, those places turned out to be the best places for me. Right. Oh, I mean, I'm just going to go to the comments for one quick second here, uh, okay. Tiki. Uh, Garen um, says, uh, what's good, everybody? Legia, my dear friend, Dorothean, greetings from Costa Rica. Greetings, Legia. Nice to see you again. Uh, Melissa, 
This is powerful. This man is amazing. He mentored me without even knowing it. Turned a broken girl into a strong, independent woman. Do you know Melissa? Yeah, I know Melissa. Yeah. She used to work for me um, oh, okay. at, at my restaurant. And sometimes we bring her in from time to time to help us out. And she has come a long way. Uh, yes. That's awesome. Melody, uh, you, know, you definitely have a powerful purpose. That's for sure. And like, yeah, mm -hmm. is God has an extraordinary mission for you. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, can, I couldn't imagine, first of all, being given away and then being, you know, choked stabbed yeah and and everything like that i mean like you have an amazing purpose and it's right you know um so okay so we left off when uh okay. your brother was there uh right. so tell us more about so you keep on going through life and you almost lose your life at seven I mean at nine years old and then we'll fast forward because we don't have all night at age of 17 i was accused of a crime in this city known for football and oil. So at 17, I found myself in jail looking at a life sentence at 17 years old. And so my life was interrupted by being at the wrong places the wrong time, really no fault of my own. So with no education, no resources, no money, I made one of the most terrible mistakes that I ever made in my life. And that's why when I speak to kids or college students or athletes, the most important thing you can have is education. So I signed a statement admitting guilt to something I do, not because I was guilty, it's because I couldn't read it. You know, so a lot of young men like myself sometimes agree to plea bargains and it's not a plea of guilt. It turns out to be a plea for help. And so at that age, I was really asking for help but it cost me, you know, dearly in my life. And so in my senior year of high school, I spent six months in the county jail. So eventually when I was released, I started working at a car dealership. No colleges wanted me to go play football or anything anymore. So I was at a crossroad. So I started washing cars at a local dealership from 20, from 18 to 20. And I worked hard and when you're doing the right thing and you're trying to be the very best version of yourself that you possibly can be, people are paying attention, people are watching. So the owner of that dealership was watching me and it was around Christmas time, about this 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 time of the year. I know you Canadians don't celebrate Christmas, but it's about this time in the US, uh, Christmas time. And we went to the back counter and he was giving out $25 bonus checks and turkeys. So when I went up and it was my turn, he handed me a $25 bonus check in a turkey. And he said, Merry Christmas. And that's not the only thing he said to me. He said, shouldn't you be out playing big time college football? And it, it rocked me to the core. Have you ever had that feeling saying, you know? And that's kind of how I felt. I was like, yeah, you know. Everybody knows why I'm not playing football. And I was mad at him for asking the question. And I grabbed the turkey and I kind of walked away. But I had that feeling in my spirit and that feeling in my heart that kind of like that carnival ride when you everything just drops. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time in my life I made a commitment to my life because if anybody asked Kiki Davis what was he doing with his life, I didn't want to be known as a car washer. So that next semester, I went down to my local community college, which was Odessa College, 
and I signed up for college classes. But little did I know, every class that they allowed me to take was remedial because I was behind. As you know, at 17, 18, I couldn't read very well. I couldn't write very well, so I was behind. So I was in remedial math, remedial reading, remedial everything. But I was preparing for my future. So I went in there. I took those classes, night classes, because I was working 60 hours a week at the dealership washing cars. So I did that for about a year and a half. So after that year and a half, that owner of that dealership that was been watching me, and I didn't even know, I just walked off from him. He ended up making a pack with me, came to me one day and says, Tiki, any college you want to go to you in the United States of America, I'll foot the bill. Wow. So that <laughs> just sent me to <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But the thing about it is what I explained to people, because they were like, well, Tiki, uh, you're lucky because somebody paid for your college. And what I tell them is it's not luck. It's a blessing. But more importantly, if I don't accept that job, a humble job as a car washer at a dealership, the bottom end of the dealership, I don't get that opportunity. So if I don't take that job, that guy never knows me. He never discusses me. So I always tell people, take what you got to get to where you're going. So I took that job. And at that time, it was $5.25 an hour. I'm making $5 an hour at, at 20 years old. And I had dreams of going to this thing called NFL. But it didn't happen for me. But the dream in my mind was still getting to the next level of my education into college. And so when he made um, that agreement with me to send me to college, I never went to college with the, the intention to graduate. I went there where here's my opportunity to get to play college football. And I went to college and I played football and I thought that I could go to the NFL. But I realized I wasn't good enough. So I played a few years, uh, hung up the cliques, because at 22, I realized I wasn't good enough to go to the pros. So I put down the books. I mean, I put down the football and I picked up the books because I realized my life would be more valuable if I was a player in life in life versus on the football field. So I went to college, stayed there a few years, got a bachelor's degree. Stayed there another year, got a master's degree, and kind of started my life there. But it wasn't easy because I was still a young black male in America that was struggling because, A, I'm still in the criminal justice system on probation. So I couldn't really get the jobs I wanted, even though I got two degrees from college, because every time I go apply for a job, no. Every time I go to apply for a job, no. What did you hear? A hundred no's. It almost would break your spirit, mm -hmm. right? For but sure. I realized, go ahead. So so I, I didn't want that to break my spirit because a lot of people see me now and think I'm successful or everything was handed to me. But imagine, this is for the audience that's listening. Imagine getting 100 no's before you get one yes. And this is not cliche. This is not something that's made up. This is my real life. Or imagine when you do get that one yes, you're still being judged because, oh, did you hear what he did? Did you remember who he was? And at this time, I'm in my 20s. I'm a young man. 
just barely starting my life and all I want to do is earn a living doing something right. So I turned my back on the streets and the drugs and a lot of my friends and family members was doing that. It was easy, but I realized if I made one mistake, I get a hundred years in prison. Not five years, it's straight hundred years because that yeah. judge told me I'm giving you a chance and don't blow it. I'm giving you a chance, don't mess up. So I heard his words in my head daily. So I said, man, I don't want a hundred years. I want to stay free. <laughs> so go ahead. I was just going to say freedom is, is definitely uh, something that we all enjoy. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, and, and I applaud you for keeping on the straight and narrow. Cause I, I imagine it probably wasn't easy, you know, getting all those no's and, and, but still keeping uh, pressing through anyways, because I, I, it had to have been discouraging at times. Um, but to keep going, that that's definitely commendable. Right. Because the way I look at it is talk is cheap, right? A lot of people talk a good game and people that talk, I really don't, uh, you know, I'm like, show me, show me who you are, prove it. And that's just kind of how I was I always worked in a atmosphere or an environment was I had to prove myself and I couldn't be average because of my background and different things. So I had to try to become the very best in something that I was doing. And so sometimes in life, God always blessed me with different opportunities. I ended up working for the best always. The guy that sent me to college was the best dealer. You know, he won the awards for the best Chevrolet and the best BMW dealerships in America every year. So I learned from him. That was the first multi-millionaire guy that I ever had a close relationship with. And so God was grooming me with relationships with different people when it was my turn. Right. Mm -hmm. And so on my way up, I always treated people right. But if I sense your spirit is bad, I kind of maybe treat you a little bad because I didn't really want you around me. So I gave you something of me to make you not want to be around me or I would challenge you, you to be better because people might say I'm tough, but I'm not tough. I'm real. And if you're not confident in you, you don't really want to be around a guy like me because I'm not going to sugarcoat anything because like, you know, people that drink alcohol, they say straight tracer or, you know, no, no chaser or whatever. That's how I am. I'm coming straight at you. I'm coming straight at you. And <laughs> Because that's the only way I know, you know, it, it really it's the only way I know. And it's successful if you stay disciplined and, and follow your dream. You can't get off and do what somebody else is doing. Right. You got to stay on course what you're doing. So that's what I did, even though I didn't have the success. We're talking 30, 40 years, really a real 30 years to, to get where I'm at, because I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. So when I finally got my breakthrough as an engineer in the oil and gas business, that was after 100 no's. And when I started, they started paying me $13 an hour. Imagine having a master's degree from college, getting your first yes, and you're getting $13 an hour. Wow. <laughs> and so they That's told the me. If, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they tell me if you're smart enough and you can pick up this job, in 90 days, we'll give you a salary, a phone, and a truck. I said, all I want is an opportunity, sir, and I appreciate it. 
in the most humblest way, I thank you for giving me an opportunity for this job because no one else would give me a shot at the title. So I got a little ahead of myself, but prior to getting that job, the way I was able to earn money was I got a big break in this movie called Friday Night Lights. And it's about the city I grew up in. And, you know, one of the main characters I idolized growing up like a lot of us did. And I wanted to be this character called Booby Miles. And I really wanted to be a great football player. But just like his life was interrupted at 17 because he blew out his knee. And my life was interrupted at 17 because I got in trouble with the criminal justice system. So when I share this story sometimes with people, they said, yeah, I see the comparisons. Y'all are both young 17-year-old kids that life was interrupted by uh, two different circumstances. Then I says, you're missing the whole point. The reason both our life was interrupted, it was because we were both illiterate. We were both behind in our education so people were saying that our physical ability wasn't there. But as I got older, it was our mental ability. So I teach schools, kids, and I tell them the most important thing you got is your brain. Because when your athletic ability is compromised, you got to have something to go to. So my go to now is this. Nobody can take anything away from me because I got this. Yeah. And I got a few degrees to hang on the wall, but that don't really matter to me because a lot of time now people are trying to figure out what makes you click. Oh, it's because you got a master's degree or you got a, a PhD. None of that works. That gets you in the room, but it don't keep you there. Mm -hmm. This keeps Absolutely. you there. I, I love so, that. Yeah. So, and, you know, a lot of times people get caught up on titles, right? So a person like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I work for a Fortune 500 company. I'm the CFO of uh, Amazon or Netflix or, or uh, you know, I, I run a pro team. That's a rented title. That's a rented title. When they decide to fire you and move on, who are you really? So I teach who are you without the job. I'm Tiki Davis with the title or without the title because I groomed me as a man from that young boy with that screwdriver in your neck to sitting here building a brand, which is called the Tiki factor. I am that it's not rented. You know what I'm saying? I developed that. What you see is what you get unapologetically. And some people might say arrogant and cocky. It's not that it's that I'm battle tested. Nobody wants to know about the guy that went to war and died. Right. Nobody cares about him. They're going to give him a heart. He fought well, but they want to know about how in the hell did you come back and survive? How was you unstoppable? How did the whole platoon get murdered and you're the only one that made it back? But that so, is a powerful story, Tiki. Absolutely powerful. Like if, if anybody is what it, people that are watching, they can definitely see, you know, as definitely a story of never giving up. You know, especially right from birth, you know, because mm -hmm. you just kept on going. I just want to go to the comments for a quick second here. Uh, Dr. Laura's in the house. Um, super happy she didn't miss it. Jenny, uh, thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, she says she's proud, so proud of you. This was back when you were telling your story, I think, about your uh, being um, 
uh, sorry, stabbed in the neck. I think that's probably when that was. Uh, yeah. Russ, thank you. Damien, thank you for joining us. Kevin, uh, Kenneth, Kevin, Kenneth is in Texas as well. So okay. I don't All know. Right. Yeah. Hope to meet you one day. <laughs> so yes, so uh, such a powerful story, Tiki, and definitely one of never giving up and definitely a true overcomer for sure. And I just have to ask, you know, as you're going through life, did you ever once think, man, you know, this is so much, I, I just want to give up. Did you ever think at, what, at any point after anything that you've shared with us that you're like, okay, this is just too hard. I, I want to give up. To be honest with you, and it might surprise you, no. Doesn't because, surprise me. <laughs> because, you know, like now you hear every speaker, every post on Facebook, Instagram, don't give up, have a mindset. Even before that thing became a thing, that was me. And, and I, I live that. So it, it's, it's not, you don't know, you don't think about giving up when you're going through it. You know, it's like focus on the goal, focus on the result. And that's kind of what I always did. Like, I always like, man, one day I can get off probation. One day I can get a job. One day I can have a family. So what kept me going was that one day. And if I gave up, I would never get to that one day. Right. Right. And I just kept my goals in front of me. And I didn't think about the adversity that was behind me because what's behind you is behind you. Right. So if you keep on looking back, you're going to miss what's in front of you. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So it's 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 inspiration, but also I want to let people know it can be done. You know, and and if you get that pity party, why me? Why not you? Because if it's not you, it's going to be somebody else. So why would you put the burden on somebody else? That, if you're chosen powerful. by God, huh? That is powerful. And, and there, there, I, I heard that from a coach. And ever since I heard that, I was just like, okay, you're right. Why not me? You know, why? And that's just so powerful. There's a quote here. Sorry, I don't mean to cover your face here. Melanie, ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand that the reason that you're existing in this world right now is because you have things that you must be done. And only certain people are qualified to take it to the level that it needs to be taken to. Coach Payne from Never Give Up. That is powerful. Yeah. That that, that reminds me of you, <laughs> for sure. Right. But, but, but the thing about it is, and here's the deal because I did it with a smile on my face and not, not saying I never had motivation and I never got angry and I never got upset and I never was frustrated and I never broke down because that mother that I love so much unconditionally still to this day, when I was in the midst of college, getting my first degree, my mother, died in prison. I'm sorry to hear that. So the only thing that was keeping me to get my education was my mom. Because now mom was getting out of prison and she could see me graduate college. So I was like, man, I'm going to do something for mama. Now, months before I graduated, I got to go bury her. Wow. And understand, to this day, 
I'm 43 today. It's not my birthday, but as it stands today, I'm 43 years old. My biological parents, the people that birthed me into this air world, never seen me accomplish anything. Not one thing. That's, and it sounds like you take that with grace, but I would imagine that that would be like one of those moments where you're like, damn, that sucks. <laughs> you know, it sucks, but. but the thing again about it is over time, you think about it and it would be great if mom or dad or somebody with the same blood as you was there. But sometimes I had support. And a lot of times I had support from other people like uh, my foster family. And they're really not foster. They've been in my life for 30 years now. Sam and Joyce Watts, they took me in. They didn't have very much money. My uh, father, he was a used car salesman, worked at the local dealership that I worked at. And my mother, Joyce Watts, she worked at a convenience store, making a little bit more than minimum wage. And they had another four or five kids and they brought me into their home when I was 15 years old and took care of me as their own son. And sometimes may have treated me better than their own kids because I never gave them any grief or anything because I was so humble to be in their home. And I was already independent when I went to their house. So I knew how to take care of myself. And different times, my stepfather, Sam, he would try to give me lunch money or buy me clothes and I wouldn't take the money. He would have to force it upon me because I said, man, you're doing enough for opening up your doors and allow me to stay here. And he says, no, Tiki, I do this for all my kids. You're my son and I'm going to do for you. Please take the $8 a week for lunch, son. So he would force it on me. And so I would take it because now I didn't want to offend him. Right? Right. And, so and that's powerful. Him, yeah. And to this day, me and him, our birthdays is two days from each other. And we go back and forth. And, you know, he's 72 years old, 73 years old. And I have a construction company. And sometimes he would say, hey, Tiki, can you send a guy over to fix my toilet or something like that? And he says, if you send him over here and you take care of it, boy, I would never call you again to do anything for me because I don't <laughs> want you paying for nothing for me. And then I said, okay, man, just uh, I'll send the guy over and I promise I won't pay for it. But that's kind of, he's a man's man. And right. that's just kind of how he is. So I would do anything for him and they'll do anything for me. They've been with me my since I was 15. And like I said, I'm 43 now and I love them with all my heart. And mm -hmm. a lot of people think they're wealthy people. But like I said, one was a used car salesman. The other worked at a convenience store combined they made under $100,000 a year, taking care of five kids. Wow. The, that that right there is amazing people, you know, and, and the fact mm -hmm. that uh, I've saw a couple posts lately and um, it, the posts were with if you had like a blended family and, you know, you had your own kids and you and then you had your like stepchildren or foster children, right. would you still treat them the same? And my answer is absolutely, you know, there, there's no right. way you should be treating any child differently than the next one. And mm -hmm. that is, uh, that's amazing that, you know, your foster parents would do that, 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 right. that shows just the level of people that they really are. And, and um, right, a lot of times when I got in trouble and different things, they stuck by me. 
I'm not here today without those people. And I love them dearly. Uh, we speak every week. I don't see them every week. And I, you know, and that's another thing. They're getting up there in age. I need to go over a little bit more often. So I'm holding myself accountable today that I'm going to go by a little bit more often. Cause sometimes you get busy with life and trying to do your own thing. And sometimes you forget, Yeah. but um, I'm holding myself accountable on your show <laughs> and we'll wrap though. We'll go a little bit more into the story so we can kind of see where we are now. Sure. Uh, so after I graduated college, went to Hollywood, started in the movie, made great relationships. I still had something that was missing in my life right? Um, my name wasn't clean. So the most important thing to me and right now, it's not the monetary success. It's not the businesses. It was my name. And to a man and more importantly, to a black man in America, a clean name is all you have, right? You know, a lot of times I didn't have a father always teach me, take care of your name. And I wish I would have had that father that was there telling me, son, take care of your name, take care of your name. But now I know how valuable that is, right? right. So with that in mind, you know, once I started making success, I worked at that engineering job for that oil company for many, many years. And we had a bus and they laid me off. And now I needed another job. So my entrepreneur uh spirit kicked in again so i started up a mobile car wash business so i'm driving around my local community washing cars and i was thinking people would be happy for me because i'm an entrepreneur i got my own business but they were laughing at me like man look at this guy with a master's degree was an engineer in the oil and gas business and now he's washing cars right? right but the truth of the matter is i had a young daughter that was just born i had just got married at the time and I had to take care of my family. So regardless of what I had to do, I had to make a living, right? Yeah. And, you know, me, like I said, even before that washing that cars at 18 got me to college, right? So what could washing cars at 26, 27 years old do for me? What it is, it got my entrepreneur spirits going again. I really not built to work for nobody. So I need to work for myself. But I started hearing the white noise in the background, people saying this, that, another. So I had the itch to get back in the oil and gas business. So I started filling out all these applications, right? Eventually, I got a yes. And this one old company, they sent me in. They're going to pay me $110,000 a year at 28 years old to run this oil company, right? And I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. 28, and I was going to get insurance for my daughter, and I was going to have a company truck. I was like, man, and that's $40,000 more than I was making at my other job. I said, wow, I hit the lotto in my mind. So what happened was I accept the job. They hired me. I supposed to start to work my $110,000 job. I put it on the door. I put it on my uh, refrigerator at home. I'm proud about this job. I'm about to, man, kill it. They called me in on a Sunday told me to come into the office and they did a extensive background check on me. They says, well, Tiki, we can't give you the job because of your background. But I said, man, I didn't do it. I, I, I'm clear. I, I didn't do it. They said, well, we're sorry. If you can get this off of you, 
and you come back, we're under the job. So if you ever seen that movie, and I know these people are from Canada, the movie called The Hurricane, right? And I'm writing uh, it down. Hurricane, huh? I'm writing it down. <laughs> okay, it was called The Hurricane. Denzel Washington was playing this main character. And it's one of my favorite movies because this is the only movie that I ever watched that could express my pain. So we're talking about pain points, right? So mm -hmm. this is when I really broke down and I cried and I was hurt because I didn't know if I could take care of my family, right? I had some money saved up, but I'm like, man, am I going to go through my whole life struggling, trying to prove myself worthy? And so it was like Reuben Hurricane Carter in that movie he was fighting the system for like 10, 12 years, said, I'm not going to wear these prison clothes. I'm going to fight this system by myself. I'm going to write this book. I'm going to get my story out there and I'm, I'm going to fight for my name. But he realized he couldn't do it alone. So at that moment, I realized I couldn't do this alone. So I put my pride and my ego to the side and I asked for help. But it's so powerful when you watch this movie, you relate. Denzel Washington says, I can't do the time. And he beat the phone on the glass window and he said, I can't do the time. And he begins to cry. That's when I realized I couldn't do the time. So I asked for help. A few different people led me in the right direction. And God rest his soul is a guy named Willie Mims. He says, hey, man, this guy is looking for some consultants. He said, I was going to take the position, but I got another job. Maybe you should go talk to them. They might not pay you as much as they're going to pay me because I have more experience, but they might give you a shot. So I interviewed with a guy named Armando. And that interview changed my life. Because I went to be an independent consultant. I started up my own oil company. And I end up partnering with the number one independent oil man in the world. And he took me from getting turned down from a six-figure job into a six to a seven-figure business owner wow. overnight. So that is an amazing story. Wow. <laughs> So I was able to take that and leverage, but as we, you know, that wasn't the most important thing, even though I was successful with money now. And then people that really didn't know me thought I was made by money. Like, you don't understand who I am. You don't understand what I went through. But more importantly, you don't understand what I've grown through, right? Yeah. So I come from nothing. I remember I was so poor. And I didn't know I was so poor when I was a kid. I used to have cut off shorts walking down the street to poor people's house for food. And they were poor. They didn't have dishes, but they had beans. They had potatoes and Fruit Loops. It was a lady named Peggy Madrid. Her son was my best friend named Johnny Madrid. I would walk down the street and she says, Tika, I will give you food every day. Just bring your own bowl and your own spoon. Right. So that, that's where I come from. So when people say, oh, man, he's made he's this and that. I, I laugh because they don't know where you come from and they don't know what you've grown through. So this past year in this community, I ran for city councilman. Everybody probably thought I was doing it for clout or whatever. But I understood that community because I came from it. 
a kid with bare feet walking down the street with a bowl and a spoon, I knew I could help my community because I came from that. So nobody can't teach me about what the community needs because I am the community. I came from that and I made it out. So I want to come back and teach everybody how I did it or be in the meetings whenever we're making rules and laws and changes. I can do it because I know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you have the grit. Yeah. <laughs> You're the story and, and you have and, the grit. <laughs> and so you got to have tough skin. Right. So yes. I didn't win. And the guy that did win, he's doing a great job. But the thing about it is what I tell everybody is one of my new favorite quotes. It's it got to be in you, not on you. So it doesn't matter what clothes you wear, how much money you got. If it's not in you, it's not going to work. The resilience, the passion for life and not giving up was in me. That's why I never had the victim mentality because it, it was no time for that. And I never wore victim on me. And I never let that spirit or that to get inside of me. Right. Right. So that's why I was able to continue to fight and win. And when people meet me like, man, you went through that, man, you look so smooth. Your hands don't look like you ever been through nothing because I left it there. The problem, <laughs> I left it there. I only control what I can control. I can't control. It's kind of like in slavery days. Right. Yeah. Like if they call a black person a derogatory name and he responds to it, I never respond to the negativity. I respond to what I want. I hear it, but I'm not going to show no emotions to it. I'm just going to show you who I am and where I'm going. And so once I had a little money, I said, what's the most important thing to me when I'm not chasing this thing of life, right? Okay. Uh, I want to clear my name. So in 2018, we was able to do that. Awesome. So now this burden that I've had for 25 years on my back was lifted. And now I was able to function like the rest of society. And I was able to breathe for the first time in my life in 25 years like a normal citizen. I didn't have to be the best. I didn't have to be elite. Even though my mind was already that, now I was a machine. So I chilled a little bit. I took it off the brakes and I just, aha. I just got in my truck after I walked out of that courtroom and that judge ruled in my favor. And I just took off. <laughs> you know? The that is so powerful. Uh, I just want to go to the comments for one quick second. Inger's joining us. Uh, Robert Moore. Uh, wish there you a Merry is. Christmas. <laughs> and Melanie says you've walked the walk for sure. Uh, and then I put your, I love this quote. It has to be in, it has to be in you, not on you. I love that. Absolutely right. love that. To, uh, like your story just kind of blows my mind and I didn't even know the first half of the story and now I'm just like wow I'm in like shock and awe and um, you know 
I admire you for not number one, not giving up, and number two, not especially not giving up until you cleared your name. That that is powerful, um, you know. And a lot of people would have quit halfway back, but that that is just powerful. And if anybody watching the story like this, um, th if you learned anything tonight, just learn like never giving up and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's that totally commendable, um, for sure. And the most important thing, what I want people to understand, life is not fair. Let's just throw fair out of the window. That should be a subject in school for kids. Life is not fair. It's not going to be fair. It's not always about race and gender and things like that. It's just life is not fair. And if I would have had that mentality of life is fair, I'm not sitting here talking to you today. Because I decided and I made a personal commitment to my life that I want to be a winner. I want to be a reputable man. And all that I do is not for fame or fortune or anything like that. Because when I got into the world of motivation and, you know, really wanted to share my story, it wasn't about any of that. It turned into some resources and some opportunities. But it started was if you had enough, what would you do for free? So when I got into the world of motivation, I didn't even know you got paid for it. So when I got into it, I said, what would you do for free if money wasn't the problem? I said, I'll help people. I'll share my story. And hopefully as a kid or a man or a woman of any race hurting and going through what I went through, maybe they could hear help. Maybe my story can help them. And then when I got into it and I traveled with Mr. Brown and shared the stage with Nick Wojcicks and Eric Thomas and these different guys around the world, I, I see them getting paid crazy amounts of money. I said, well, me too. I want to do it too. If they can do it, so can I. And I just, you know, that was my attitude. I said, I'm, I'm going to work at my craft and maybe I could be one of the best one day. And five years later, I consider myself on my way. <laughs> you know so i i definitely part of your story is also um inventing the tiki factor right. can you tell us a little bit about that well the tiki factor is anytime you're speaking or whatever uh i learned this from the great les brown when he was training and teaching me and you're never too old to learn and you know once you do that then you're done so when I was learning from him, he says, Tiki, you have an amazing story, but no one cares. I said, what? Nobody don't care about my story? What? What? I thought that's what he says. No one cares. The moment they start to care about your story is when they can see themselves in your story. So what you got to do from the stage or in your private classes, what's in it for me? You got to let them know what's in it for me. And once you can connect that with your audience then you can be magical. So we came up with the Tiki factor. So how did you come from that nine-year-old boy with your screwdriver in your neck to become the successful businessman, entrepreneur, and the Tiki factor? The T and the Tiki factor, I had to make a total commitment to my life. That's the T and the Tiki factor. By all means, I had to be committed to my life at an early age 
and stay straight and do that, right? Mm-hmm. And the next thing is the I. I have to live from my imagination and not my history. History or my history shows I'm dead, prison, criminal justice system, giving up, robbing stores, on drugs, failed, washed up. My history shows that, right? Because everybody in my neighborhood where I grew up, a lot of people ended up like that, right? And the next thing is K, kindred spirits. The people around you affect you. So I knew I had to place myself in certain environments around certain people to protect myself because I couldn't afford to get into any trouble to get to where I want to go. You know, and if I ever had a chance to get my name back or whatever, I have to have a perfect record. So on paper, I'm immaculate. I'm perfect on paper, but by no stretch of imagination, get the quote right. I'm perfect on paper. I'm a flawed human being. I sin just like everybody else. I have problems just like everybody, but on paper, my resume is perfect on paper. But as a human being, I struggle just like everybody else. I sin just like everybody else. I have my doubts and everything just like everybody, but on paper to have a chance of what everybody takes for granted at my name, I have to be perfect on paper. And the last thing in the tiki factor is the I. You have to invest in yourself, right? So I've been investing myself for 40 years. When I was a nine-year-old boy, 10-year-old boy, I used to empty trash for the ladies on Sundays getting 30 cents. I used to wash cars, uh, go to the store, buy cigarettes, do all those things for people. I was an errand boy. I used to get in aluminum, uh, get in trash cans, get cans, me and my brother, sell them. So I've been working for a long time to get to this place to you know, do whatever I want now. But it started with work. Even now on a couple of barbecue restaurants, you know, any morning you might can find me there cooking barbecue. You can find me going to location serving food, but people don't think I do that. You can see me building a house, painting, but people don't think you do it because I don't want to forget. The worst thing a person can do is forget where you come from. You know, I believe I'm the only person in this town that can go on the block that's in the hood where people are selling crack and they don't stop selling crack when they see me coming. And I'm the only person that can probably go to the country club and I'm accepted the same because, and I don't change who I am. I don't change my demeanor. I don't change my voice. I don't change anything. I'm Tiki. And you accept me as I am and you don't accept me. I'm not the police, so it ain't my job to tell on nobody. But I can trust you. There's not much different from the hood in the White House. It's all the stuff. Everybody got problems. Everybody doing the same thing. So it don't matter what color you is. don't matter what neighborhood you come from. We're all flawed and we all fall short of the mark. So don't ever think that you're great. But so the people that was taking notes, I'm going to run it down to you again. The Tiki Factor came from my name. My name is Tiki. I broke it down. My name is spelled T-I-K-I, right? The T stands for total commitment. The I stands for imagination. 
the K stands for kindred spirit, and the last I stands for invest in yourself. So those are principles that I used in my life to take me from that spot to this spot. And that's pretty much it. Wow. I am blown away. Like I, I put it in the comments. I, I'm just going to bring my partner on here for one second here. Um, because you walked right into Kimberly's segment and Kimberly's segment deals with the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't know about you, but I know Kimberly's had been backstage and <laughs> I am blown away. Like I've got goosebumps through this entire story. Glory bumps, girlfriend. Uh, glory. glory bumps, glory yeah. bumps. That's right. So I'm just going to hand it over to Kimberly for a quick minute uh, because basically, yeah, I'm, I'll let you do your thing. <laughs> Well, Tiki, we were we were uh, communicating back backstage um, when you were sharing your story. Your your story. First of all, I'm just honored that your story is the story during the week of Christmas. Um, just really. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, thank you for who you are. Um, thank you for your contribution tonight. Uh, and you know, I don't think you heard what I said earlier, which is just so grateful that this is the Christmas show because um, mm -hmm. your your story is the miracle of life and all mm -hmm. that it has to offer. And right. uh, we, we were going back and forth backstage because usually I'll come in, you know, the last 15 minutes to do the fundamentals. And I'm like, let him finish his story. It's okay. <laughs> like, it's just, just way too good. And then and then we we're chuckling as faith would have it, right? You, do, you walked right into clearly what your fundamentals are. Um, and so we, we just love and adore you. We got one minute left. Thank mm -hmm. you you for who you are and just the constant reminder of the gift that life is i really appreciated you sharing about life isn't fair mm -hmm. life life is a gift period mm -hmm. right just straight right. up and you it's like any other gift you do with it what you choose mm -hmm. and and that that's all the bumps and bruises that go with it those those bumps and bruises are truly a gift along with the gift um mm -hmm. to allow you be on on and and relate to people at all different levels. So just really thank you for the choices you've made and thank you for being on our show tonight. Perfect. I, I thank you for the opportunity to be a part of you ladies platform. I'm humbled. Um, you know, anytime anybody asks me to participate in anything and anybody that's listening, you know, you want to find me, you can go to tkdavis.com. You need a speaker. I would love to come in. You know, send us an email. We'll get back to you. Send a proposal over. But yeah, anything that I can do to help, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. We would love to come in and work with you and be a part of it. And I hope something in my story give you the mindset to never give up. Absolutely. And I just want to really thank our guests for showing up tonight. Uh, the comments have exploded. I didn't even get to go through them all, but I didn't want to stop you and your story right. because it was just so powerful. Um, so I, it, a lot of the comments are on LinkedIn. So I, I, you're on LinkedIn too, are you not, Tiki? Yes, I'm on LinkedIn. Yes. Okay, perfect. So, if so the comments are there. You can see them all there if you wanted to go back and connect with anybody. Yeah. Um, but definitely. And if anybody want to connect with me, because it's probably impossible for me to connect with anybody with the comments, just send me a request. Follow me on Instagram at the Tiki Factor, Facebook or LinkedIn. Just follow me. Follow me. Send me a private message. Say, I heard your story. That's how we're connected. We would love to come into our organization because I get stuff all the time. And I'm selected on what we do, but if we can make great partnership and 
make it work, send me an email, tkdavis.com or on one of those social media platforms. Absolutely. And somebody to get on my team and get back to you or myself. Absolutely. It just depends. Absolutely. I We're just so, like we said, uh, humbled and honored that you would be here, um, especially on our Christmas show. And here in Canada, we do celebrate Christmas. It's Thanksgiving we don't celebrate as much okay, as you guys right. do. <laughs> we go all out for Christmas. For Thanksgiving, we're not as big as you guys, but that's okay. Um, and I'm just, like I said, truly blessed that you would be on our Christmas show and share your story. I mean, I learned more about you tonight, too, than what I did on I Inspire. And what I heard on I Inspire was, well, enough to get me to get out of my comfort zone and message you and say, hey, Tiki, you want to come on our show? Um, so I appreciate you being here. And do you have any last words for our guests before we wrap this up? No, I pretty much said everything I needed to say. I just, like I said, I, I appreciate anybody took the time to listen to my story, uh, be a part of this show, Unstoppable great platform. Like, again, I thank you ladies for thinking about me to ask me to come on. And a lot of times, you know, you get a lot of requests, but it was something different about this show. And it wasn't about the platform or a million followers or things like that. I said, man, you know what, if they ask me, I want to do it. So I'm glad it fit in my schedule to do it. So thank you again for having me. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, this is, uh, again, another blessed episode, and we'll see you next Monday with Michelle Tasco. Everybody have an amazing uh, Merry Christmas, and, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see you Monday night. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks.